of international scientific experiments. Many of these experiments would seem mundane to, to, for most of us, fairly uninspiring. But each day, these astronauts sought to just get a better understanding of how the simplest of things would be impacted by a microgravity environment. Finally, on February 1st, their mission was completed, and it was time to return home. Unfortunately for the Space Shuttle Columbia, as it re-entered Earth's atmosphere, it exploded, and it killed all seven astronauts. After the invest during the investigation, what NASA had discovered was that when Columbia had took off, at the very beginning of their mission, as soon as it took off, and the, and the shuttle approached speeds of up to 3,000 kilometers per hour, a chunk of foam insulation about the size of a suitcase had broken off the external fuel tank and struck the left wing of the shuttle, leaving a hole about the size of a medium pizza in its left wing. Unfortunately, though, this 10-inch hole remained unnoticed for, this, for, the, for the entire mission of the Columbia Space Shuttle. As it re-entered the atmosphere, the hole in the wing allowed atmospheric gases and heat to compromise the wing integrity and ultimately create the explosion. So what kind of heat are we talking about here? I know that many of us have probably seen images or videos of space shuttles as they've re-entered the atmosphere. Maybe we've seen it on movies, that sort of thing. When a space shuttle is re-entering the atmosphere from space, the, the temperatures on the outside, the external ex exterior of the, of the shuttle, is about 3,000 degrees Fahrenheit, or about 1,600 degrees Celsius. Now, that's actually, it's obviously very hot, but that's actually not an abnormal temperature for some things that we experience here on Earth. For example, someone who welds, who uses a welding torch, they would, the torch usually gets, heats up to about 1,600 to 1,800 degrees Celsius. Now, typically when a welder is using that sort of torch, they're, they're trying to melt metal to do what you want it to do. So if that sort of heat typically melts metal, the issue that NASA had was how do you prevent an entire space shuttle from doing the exact same thing in that intense heat? So the engineers of NASA, they needed to, some sort of shield to absorb and distribute that heat adequately. So the space shuttle was actually covered with a shield made up of special silica tiles, a very pure form of sand. These engineered tiles were designed to withstand and protect the shuttle from the intense heat and protect the astronauts inside. So when things got too hot, too volatile, too dangerous, the shield was there to protect them. Of course, now we know that the shield was compromised and it obviously had disastrous effects. In Ephesians chapter 6, Paul talks about a shield that protects us as a part of the armor of God that you and I wear as followers of Jesus. Since September, we have been journeying through this, 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 this section of Scripture in Ephesians 6 known as the armor of God. We started with the belt of truth in September. And then we talked about the breastplate of righteousness. And then in December, we, we spent some time talking about the shoes of peace. And over the next three, next three Sundays, we will be exploring the shield of faith. So in addition to the, the belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, and the shoes of peace, peace, Paul continues and says, Take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. 
Now, that phrase, take up, take up the shield of faith. Take up, what is that, that, that phrase, take up in the Greek is the Greek word analambano. It just simply means to carry something with the intention of using it, analambano. Like a, very much like a, like a nurse would, would take up a, a thermometer, or a custodian might take up cleaning supplies, or a sous chef might take up their knives. They pick them up to use them. Paul says, Analambano, the shield of faith. Pick up the shield of faith. Take up the shield of faith. That it's not just an accessory, but it's intended to be used. It has purpose and intent behind this action of picking up. Just like a Roman soldier, as they were to, if they were to enter into battle, they would use their shield for protection when the enemy finally attacked. And if you recall, I think I've mentioned it every time that I've talked about this particular armor, Paul is using the armor of a Roman soldier as his template for this armor analogy here from Ephesians 6. The shield that Paul is using here is actually called a scutum, S-C-U-T-U-M. Those of you that are at home, you can Google it later. The shield was typically about two feet wide and about four feet from the ground, four feet tall. It was intended to be able to cover the, the, the entirety of the soldier if he was able to crouch down. The, shoulder, the, 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 the shield also was curved on the edges to ensure that none of the soldier was exposed or vulnerable and that arrows or javelins, as they were thrown at the soldier, they would just glance off of the curvature of the, of the shield. The front of the shield also was made up the way that it was designed. They had a, they had a canvas on the front of it, just a, a really um, strong fabric surface that would be able to that they had on front. After that, they would place a really uh, they would place a hide or a leather over it as well from an animal. What that would allow them to do is it created this tough exterior so that when an arrow was shot at the shield, that it would just that it wouldn't be able to penetrate the leather. Additionally. What, they, what the Roman soldiers would often do is they would soak that leather, that hide, and they would actually soak it in water so that when, a, when Roman soldiers were shot at with flaming arrows, as the flaming arrows hit the shield, the moisture and the hide would immediately extinguish the fire. After they put the hide on, they would reinforce, the, they, to give it more strength, they would reinforce the shield by fastening iron to the middle of the shield. They would run iron around the entirety of the edges of the shield as well so that if, a, if, if an enemy attacked with a sword and swung down, that the shield would be able to deflect the sword because it wouldn't, it wouldn't, the sword wouldn't, come through, wouldn't be able to cut through the shield. Likewise, the shield of faith offers similar protection to the enemy's attacks. Now, for us, of course, it, I don't think many of us have literal flaming arrows shot at us. But what if the flaming arrows that are shot at us are more like fear or hurt or anxiety or bitterness or shame, skepticism, discord? Paul says, put on the shield of faith to protect yourself from those things. We see the passage that, that Jairus read for us from Hebrews 11.1 1, defines faith in this way. It says, faith is the certainty of things hoped for, a proof of things not seen. Faith is the certainty of things hoped for, a proof of things not seen. 
Now that sounds good. And for most of us, I suspect many of us have come across this particular passage before. But what does it mean? What is the author of Hebrews telling us here? Well, when we break down this passage to, to understand what the author originally wrote here, I think we actually get a clearer picture of what faith really is. Faith is the certainty of things hoped for. The Greek word for that word certainty that, that, that the author writes here, the word faith is the certainty. What is that Greek word here? The Greek word here is hypostasis. It just simply means confidence or resolution. The author here is saying faith is the essence. Faith is the foundation of our hope. It's what we secure ourselves to. All of us drove here, right? How many of us wore our seatbelts? I see most hands go up. That's good. We secure ourselves to our seatbelt, right? Because we know that it keeps us safe. Very similar idea, concept here. We, we secure ourselves to, this, to, our, to, our, our, to the seatbelt the same way that we secure ourselves to faith. In the same way a soldier would secure his shield to himself heading into battle. Or a space shuttle has protective heat shield secured to itself. You and I secure ourselves to a shield of faith. The question we wrestle with, though, is, is whether that shield will protect. What do you secure yourself to when the heat gets turned up in your life? When things get hard? When things get difficult? What do you secure yourself to? For some of us, we might secure ourselves to, to a higher quality of life where maybe we find security in our bank accounts. If I just have this much money in my budget, if I just have, then, then I know I don't have to worry about my future anymore. If any problems come up, I, just, I know that I can depend on this, this amount. Or now I can finally take that vacation, or I can finally get that, that car with a seatbelt. Finally, I've attained the life that I desire. Maybe for others, though, it's in our relationships where we find value in who we are based on the opinions that other people, both family and friends, have of us. And maybe for others, though, it's in our pride, where maybe we, would, we just long to have people validate our opinions and perspectives. And anyone who steps out of line with what we, what we, what we value, what we see, and disagrees with me, is, seen, is perceived as a threat to me. And so as a result, we end up building these walls of self-preservation around us to ensure that we can secure ourselves to whatever makes us most comfortable so that we don't feel threatened by others, so that our pride isn't threatened. I think the pandemic for many of us has revealed a lot of where or what we secure our lives to. For some of us, we discovered it was things as Simple as toilet paper and hand sanitizer. And for others, it was family or work. That once they were taken away or threatened, it began to expose something inside of us that, in our lives, the way we think, the way that we, we, things we value. Pain and discomfort, they often reveal where our treasures really exist, don't they? And just like the, the shuttle Columbia, when the heat is turned up, question is, how will we respond? When the, when the heat is turned up in our lives, 
It reveals to us what we actually have secured ourselves to or what we have put our faith into. So the question that I would pose to us this morning is what has this last 10 months, what has this pandemic revealed about the areas that you have been securing yourself to? What has this pandemic revealed about the areas that you have been securing yourself to? Now, it wouldn't be fair for me to ask that question and not share a little bit about what's, what I had, what the answer to that question for myself. I think for myself, the, it has, this, this last 10 months has revealed that I put a pretty high value, that I put a lot of security in my quality of life. I also realized over this 10 months that as much as I try to submit to God and say, God, I know you're in control of all things, so there's actually a pretty big part of me that really struggles with not being in control of my situations and circumstances. I've, I, I've again, it's confirmed to me that I don't, I don't like having a lack of clarity when it comes to my future. Uncertainty is certainly an uncomfortable thing for me. Paul, though, is calling us to secure ourselves to Jesus, to, to put our faith in Him. So if faith is the foundation for whatever we secure our lives to, what does it mean then to pick up our faith the way that Paul calls us to in Ephesians 6? Especially when the author of Hebrews puts it, it's a proof of things not seen. You went into a vehicle with no seatbelts, and I said, all right, everyone, buckle up. And you looked around, to what? How do you, how do you pick up something of things not seen? How do we secure ourselves to something that we can't see? How do we secure ourselves to something that is seemingly unprovable? And certainly there are, these are questions that our friends our families, our co-workers, our classmates are wrestling with, and certainly maybe some of you are wrestling with as well. And certainly apologists make strong and compelling arguments that point us towards Jesus using historical evidence and reason and logic. What the author here from Hebrews is talking about, though, is, is the eternal works of God in our lives. That there are just some things on earth that we can't see, that there are some things on earth that we just can't explain, that there's just some things on earth that we cannot measure. Faith is choosing those immeasurable things as a truth worth picking up, worth living out. This is where the heart of faith lies. Who do you believe Jesus is? Who do you believe Jesus is? Because if you, if, if you and I, if we believe that Jesus is who he claims to be, if we believe that Jesus did what others have claimed he did, it begins to impact how we live, it impacts how we think, it impacts how we act, and it impacts what we secure our lives to. If we believe that Jesus is who he claims to be, that he is the creator, the ruler and sustainer of all things, including our salvation, then faith becomes the expression of how you and I live out that truth. Faith becomes the expression of how you and I live out the truth of who Jesus is. 
for myself, as I've, as I've said, the pandemic has revealed that I certainly love my comfort, clarity, control, and, and those things have been threatened this, this past year. The truth that I need to pick up for myself these days, though, is that if Jesus is loving, if he's sovereign and in control of all things, that includes my comfort. It includes my future. It includes the good experiences in my life, but it also includes the painful ones, too. So faith then becomes the expression of what you and I believe to be true about Jesus. And as a result, we adjust our lives accordingly. We secure ourselves to the truth of who Jesus is so that our behavior and our decisions reflect how Jesus has called us to live. What that means then is that there's actually probably two different perspectives when it comes to faith. There's the macro view, the big picture, where it impacts the entirety of our lives. Where we adjust our lives according to the truth that the, life, that the lifestyle God has called us into is worth pursuing and living, uh, living out in the most simplest of forms, in the, most, in, the, in the ordinary and the mundane. But it also might mean that there's a micro view as well where we begin to realize that there are specific moments where things, where, where life is just that much more intense, where the heat is, is suddenly that much more, in, more amplified in our lives, where scenarios where the truth of who God is might actually be tested and brought into question. It's in those seasons that we absolutely need to secure ourselves to that shield where we actually choose to to align ourselves with the truth of Jesus, despite the fact that we might not know what the outcome will be. We may not know how situations will play out at work, or with our health, or with our kids, or the pandemic. Where we will all have moments where the heat of the flame might just be just a few degrees hotter in our lives than normal. And it's then that we absolutely need to pick up that shield to protect us. It's in those moments that we're faced with a decision, aren't we? Where we can either put our faith in our own wisdom, in our own strength, in our own resources. Those things that we can see, those things that we can measure, those things that we can quantify in some way or another. Or or we can pick up the shield of faith. We can analambano, the shield of faith, and secure ourselves with the wisdom, strength, and resources that the Spirit of God has actually already given you and I in the hope of the things we can't see. You see, regardless regardless of who we choose to put our faith in, whether I choose to put my faith in myself or I choose to put it in God, whether you choose to put your faith in yourself or you choose to put it in God, the outcome is always unknown. We can put our faith in ourselves and others and probably make it worse. Or we can put our faith in Jesus, who has promised that he will work out all things for the good of those who love him. Faith reminds us that what we need to be concerned about is what happens right now. What is happening right in this moment? Faith reminds us that, that, that regardless of the outcome, Jesus will continue to be who he is regardless of our circumstances or outcomes of our situations. The act of faith is what becomes a shield to protect us from the attacks of Satan in the right now, in the immediate. 
We know that eternity has already been addressed. Jesus took care of that on the cross. All you and I as the church are responsible for is picking up the shield of faith and choosing to let that truth of who Jesus is impact our lives today. Satan just looks for the weak point, the area of weakness and vulnerability. In the same way the space shuttle Columbia had a weakness and it was exposed, Satan tries to look for weak spots in you and I as well. Every Christmas, uh, one, of the, one of the kind of the silly traditions that I have is to buy a box of mandarin oranges. And we don't, you know, we don't, we don't usually buy more than one box, but, uh, but I, usually, I usually buy one box. And, and, and if you've ever bought a box of mandarin oranges before, you know that there is an, an important selection process that needs to happen before you add it to your shopping cart. First thing you do when you think, okay, there's a box of mandarin oranges and I want it, First thing you need to do is pick it up and just smell it. Make sure there's nothing funky going on inside. After it passes the smell test, that's step one. Step two, open the box. Make sure that there's no no spoiled oranges or or oranges that are on the verge, just on the top layer. If it passes step two. Step three is go through the rest of the box, obviously. Make sure that the oranges at the bottom aren't hiding some sort of nasty, decomposed orange sludge in the corner of the box. Inevitably, though, after that intense, rigorous testing procedure, I don't know how this happens after I've taken it from, after I've went through that process, put it in the shopping cart, and gotten home. Excited to have this, this, this delicious mandarin orange, the first orange that I inevitably grab every single year, is absolutely horrid. It, you grab it in your hand, like just, like just crushes it because it's just this moldy, nasty, gnarly mess. And, and, it, and there's just something about it where there's, just, there's a weak spot in the orange and, it, and I manage to find it every single year. Just like a box of mandarins, there's always a weak spot in us somewhere. And Satan is actively looking and searching, trying to find it so that he can exploit it in us. The reality is for all of us is that we all have insecurities. We all have shortcomings. We all have limitations. We all have fears. We all have doubts and failures. Satan, though, is actively looking for ways to find those, those, those shortcomings, those limitations, those weak points in our lives so that he can take advantage of us. So this morning, I want to suggest three ways that I think you and I can pick up the shield of faith to protect our weak spots as we enter into battle against Satan so that we aren't exploited when the battle comes. So there's three distinct postures or or orientations that you and I can take when it comes to to picking up the shield of faith. It has to do with our perspective, and it's our past, present, and future orientations. So let's start with today. How can we, Anna Lambano, how can we pick up the shield of faith right now in our present? First is this. Start listening. Simply by listening. 
where we develop a, listen, develop a rhythm of listening, a number of things happen. One of them is that it allows us to hear God. It allows us to know His truth on matters and situations and circumstances that we might be in right now. When we create space to listen to the voice of God, it actually begins to pull back the curtains of noise that exist around us. There's lots of noise right now, isn't there? When we begin to learn the discipline of listening, it helps us to hear the voice of Jesus in the midst of it. Listening helps us to move beyond our own perceptions, our own skills and feelings, and helps us to identify what our response to our circumstances should be based on who God is instead of based on who we are. In order to secure ourselves to faith, we need to know and respond to truth. And we discover that truth by listening to the voice of God speaking into our lives, hearing his viewpoint on what's happening in our lives and who he is, how we can, know, how we can be a closer reflection of Jesus as we walk through life. That's one of the reasons why the workshop that Pat is, is leading on the 30th is, is so important, I think. It helps us to be able to, to identify ways that we can listen to God, how we can begin to discern the voice of God in our lives as we just go through life together. So that's the present. That's right now. The second way we can pick up the shield of faith is in our future orientation. See, after we hear the voice of God, it's absolutely important and necessary that we act on it. In James chapter 1, James writes, For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like a man who looks at his, his face in the mirror, but once he's looked at himself, he's gone away and he's forgotten, he's immediately forgotten what, what he looked like. Obedience out of our listening is critical to our picking up our shield of faith. One of the things that I, I often tell my kids, we have this conversation on a fairly consistent basis, but we, I often tell them the Bible talks about the importance of obeying your parents. Why do you think that is? Young people, why do you think that is? Usually my kids respond by saying, because the Bible was written by a parent. It's important for kids to obey their parents because here's the thing. The instruction I give to my kids, the instruction... Kids, the instruction your parents give to you is clear. It's tangible. It's obvious. You can see your parents. My kids can see me. It's measurable in that regard. They, you can actually physically touch me. You can hear my voice. If you can't obey me, in the, if, you can't, if you can't obey that, how will you be able to hear the voice of God in your life and obey that? You won't be able to visibly see God. You won't be able to tangibly touch God. You won't be able to audibly hear God. But the expectation will be the same. We are all called to obedience. And we learn to obey God through our obedience to our parents. As adults and kids... Our obedience is directly connected to our faith. 
who we believe Jesus to be is connected to our obedience to him. Let me say that again. Who we believe Jesus to be is connected to our obedience to him. Faith is acting on the truth regardless of whether we feel like that it's like we want to or not. But it's making a decision to say, I've strapped on the belt of truth. Now I'm picking up the shield and now I'm going to advance. It's picking up the truth of who Jesus is and living it out throughout our lives. Faith is a function of the mind that shows up in our actions. That what we hear and then how we live it out. So again, present by listening, future by doing, and then lastly, past by looking back. One of the things that, that happens as we try to secure our faith, as we try to pick up the shield of faith, as we try to walk in obedience, is that we often, is, that, is by reflecting on how the truth of God has been revealed in our lives in the past. One of the hardest parts of obedience is the accompanying fear or hesitation or reluctance to pick up that shield of faith, to actually begin to take that first step forward, to actually begin to advance. Trusting that that shield will actually protect us. Trusting that what God has called us into is worth it. This is the moment that we, can, that we pick up the shield that actually Satan begins to... to the, to turn up the heat even more. The flaming arrows begin to get, become even more hot. There becomes the, there's even more flaming arrows shot at us. And Satan begins to speak things into our lives like, you'll never make it. Don't trust that shield. Trust this one over here. Don't trust in God. Trust in yourself. It's too hard for you. Just quit. Don't do it. This is so much easier couple of things I would say to this. Satan is doing whatever he can to keep our eyes off of God, to prevent us from picking up that shield, because he's threatened. What enemy wouldn't want his enemy to not have a shield, to be completely defenseless? And he knows that if he can get you to believe that God isn't worthy of being trusted then you won't. So we plant seeds that God will just let us down or that somehow God will just fail us, that he's not worthy of our trust. The reality is, is that Satan doesn't want the church. He doesn't want Thornhill Baptist Church. He doesn't want the global church to put our trust in Jesus. So he uses fear. He uses division. He uses pride to prevent us from hearing the voice of God clearly and responding. Second thing I would say to this is that Satan has no other way of deterring the church from putting our faith in Jesus, so he uses lies that might maybe seem like truth. So again, he finds that soft spot like the mandarin orange, and he just, he just, says, he just tells you that you're just going to fail. Maybe it's not by painting a picture of doubt in God, but maybe it's actually painting a picture of doubt in yourself. And he tells you that you've wronged, that, that you haven't heard God at all, that it's just you. 
And it begins to create self-doubt or hesitation that you're just going to fail, that you're just going to fall on your face. And he's just trying to create this hesitation in obeying what God has called you into. And so we look at the present in obedience, or by listening. We look into the future by obedience. We look to the past by looking back and seeing where God, how God has, been walk, has walked with us. By looking back, we can remember those times where we, where we may have questioned whether God would show up at all, whether God would, pay, would God, whether God would protect us at all. But we chose to obey, and out of that obedience, God began to show up. That we can actually begin to see this long, this long path that we have walked of obedience to God, where we have been carrying the shield of faith, and we can look back and see all the flaming arrows stuck in the shield that God has protected us from. It's in our obedience that the truth of Jesus was affirmed. And by looking back, we can remember those times and know that Jesus hasn't changed at all in the midst of those things. That he actually continues to walk with us as we analambano the, the shield of faith. That he hasn't changed, that Jesus is still present. I'm going to invite the worship team to come on up here as we continue, as we close out our service. I think what we see from Scripture so many times is normal people like you and I who were able to do extraordinary things, not because they were extraordinary people. Most of those people are just normal people like you and I. But they trusted in the truth that God was a God of extraordinary things. What they believed about God opened the door for them to do extraordinary things. Jairus read for us a portion of Hebrews 11. If you continue to read through that passage of that, that particular chapter, the author gives us a glimpse into some of these people in Scripture who did remarkable things. Noah, Abraham, Moses, Rahab. There's just a few. What if faith was just about saying yes to Jesus in the normal and the mundane pieces of life? to carrying that shield of faith as we go to the grocery store, as we carry the shield of faith as we go to work or go to school. Over the next couple of weeks, we'll be looking at one example from the New Testament and one example from the Old Testament of, I think, really ordinary individuals who showed extraordinary faith in God. The reality is, is that faith is only as valuable to the thing that it's tied to. We can pick up many things that are temporary or limited or frail. But it's the truth of Jesus that we choose to believe that actually reinforces our steps of obedience moving forward as we go into battle. As we go into battle, Paul, begin, Paul tells us that, that, there is a, that, that we, we are actually fighting against rulers, against authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. And he gives us our marching orders. And he says, pick up the shield of faith. And we can pick up that shield by listening. Begin to march forward, and as we begin to march, we pick up the shield of faith through obedience. 
And as we continue to march forward, we can look back and we can see all this. We can see the progress that we have made as we've continued to, to trust that God will continue to walk with us. And we pick up the shield of faith reflecting on the past. Now, faith is the confidence in what we hope for. What do you hope for? Now, faith is the confidence in Jesus and the assurance of what, he, of what we do not see, of the eternal realities that we don't see, but that he is present and active in. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for today, for the ways that you continue to walk with us, that, that although we, we can't see you now, Jesus, we know that you're here. We know that your spirit is active. It's present, Jesus. And we can't measure that, but we know we, we choose to believe that because we trust your word. And regardless of whether we're at home watching this online or whether we're in the sanctuary, Lord, God, I pray that you would continue to, to remind us of that, that you would affirm our faith so that we can walk in obedience to you, Jesus. We thank you for your love for us, that you protect us from those flaming arrows, from the principalities of darkness, that you continue to care for us, that you continue to strengthen us, that you continue to uphold us as we continue to keep our eyes on you, Jesus, and, and, and trust you. Lord, we're grateful for you, that you equip us, that you prepare us for the battle. pray this in your name. Amen.